This episode is brought to you by CEP Compression Australia. CEP Compression Apparel gives the user more energy, greater endurance, and enhanced performance during activities. For a discount at CEP, use the following code online, local legends in running. Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories from local legends of Australian running that you've simply always wanted to hear. Today in episode 26, I interview Australian runner and coach Pat Carroll. Pat almost needs no introduction. He is that well-renowned in the local community, country and world for his contributions to the sport. Nevertheless, I'll go ahead and list off some stats that demonstrate his amazing achievements in running. Today, Pat stands as the fourth fastest Australian marathoner of all time with a time of 2.09.39 and the current record holder for the fastest ever half marathon on Australian soil at 61.11. After retiring, Pat founded the Pat Carroll Running Group, commonly known as PCRG, which was one of the first running groups in Brisbane at the time. PCRG has had up to 150 plus runners at sessions and is still thriving today with Pat coaching three sessions a week and hundreds of athletes online. Unfortunately, in this interview, the recording of the initial five minutes of introductions and greetings was lost. Pat and I simply spoke about his recent high attendance at PCRG, my father being a part of his first ever session back in the early 2000s, and his passion for playing the guitar away from running. I do start with asking Pat about his family and location of a residence as opposed to the initial introductions as mentioned earlier. It was a real privilege to have this opportunity to talk to one of our greats, so I hope you enjoy listening to Pat talk all things marathon, PCRG, and simply reminisce on the stories from his professional running days. Hey, just uh, just tell us a bit about where you're living and your family to a bit of background for the listeners. Yeah, I live in Camp Hill and uh, I was brought up in Camp Hill. So uh, it's not, yes, I, I did leave home, but uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, brought up in Camp Hill and um, uh, lived uh, in the family home until I was um, uh, probably about 20, early, early 20s. And uh, anyway, moved around all over the shop. Uh, spent the uh, best part of uh, eight years in Canberra. Went down to Canberra for the Institute of Sport in uh, 88. Moved back to Brisbane uh, before 2000 and been living back here since. And I've come back to Camp Hill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and family-wise, you mentioned grandkids. Yeah. So uh, family, I've got uh, um, three brothers. One passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, and uh, it was John, um, so two other brothers, uh, and um, I've got two kids, uh, 
and one of them was married last weekend oh. or the weekend before. And congratulations. Um, Thanks, mate. And uh, I've got a daughter, and she's married with two two kids, so I've got two grandkids. Oh, that's excellent, mate. Hey, uh, we'll get to some of these achievements and PBs before we get to questions, just to outline, like, you know, you're, you're one of, if not the most renowned runners in Australia and obviously around the world, but I'll list out some of these. I actually did a bit of a search, and your your PCRG website gave me a massive hand as to some of these as well that um, – also, though, I hadn't been aware of as well. Happy for me to read them out? Yeah, go for it, yeah. Excellent. So you are the fourth fastest Australian marathoner of all time. So there's only six that have gone under. We mentioned Brett Robinson the other month as the sixth in, I think that was about 20-ish years ago. Lee Troop had recorded a sub-210. Is that correct? Yeah, in Berlin, I think, yeah. Yeah. Truly ran, ran on 210 twice. Yes. Once in London, once in London and once in Berlin. Yeah, so you won the 95 Beppu Marathon with that time, 209 to 39, is that correct? Yeah. And then to proceed on to others, so you still hold that all-comers record for the half, which is fantastic. It's an amazing feat on Australian soil, 61.11. We do know Brett's gone sub uh, an hour, but that was overseas. Four-time winner of the Gold Coast Marathon, 83, 84, 88, 97. Two-time winner, Sydney half, 94, 96. This one was interesting that I read, member of a silver medal Australian team at the 93 World Half Champs. Awarded the Australian Sports Medal, I read on your website too. What's that one about? Uh, yeah, basically, I think it was in around about 2000, uh, Athletics Australia nominated certain people to get an award and um, and I was nominated. I'm not sure how many people were, were nominated, but... Uh, I was just one of the people that Athletics Australia put forward. Uh, so basically, I think your association nominated you. Uh, they rehash it again, I believe, this year. Uh, and uh, everyone in the Commonwealth Games team received one. So, you know, it's not like um, an OAM or anything like that. Um, I think it was more, maybe a little bit more prestigious, maybe back in 2000, because I think it might have been you were sort of selected by your association, whereas... This year, it was more everyone who went to the Commonwealth Games uh, received the Australian Sports Medal. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah, moving along, finished top eight at three Commonwealth Games. Those three, what years were they across? Were they in the 90s? Uh, yeah, not, would have been 90, 94, and 98. Yeah. Uh, um, New Zealand, um, uh, Canada, and KL. Yes, yeah, 91 crossy champ as well. Hadn't known you'd run much cross-country in your time. Was that a bit of a one-off or did, did you do a bit of that back in the day? Yeah, I went to four world cross-country championships. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, ran, ran cross-country a lot, yeah. And uh, twice runner-up in Sydney Sea to Surf. Hey, who beat you in those two? Uh, Mono, when he broke the record. And, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, a South African guy, John Marapiti. Yeah. Yeah, and of super, course, super, uh, super, super. John Murray Petty had yeah. on himself. He had a um, he had a diamond implanted into his front tooth. <laughs> really, yeah. bit of a was, yeah, that, anyway. was that purely aesthetics? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a glamour boy. That's okay. Uh, and of course, uh, with that marathon time, still the quickest uh, within Queensland too. 
uh, PB wise. So this is what I was astonished about your ability over the shorter stuff. So reading a 1500 meter time of 3.39 as well. So to see that along with the marathon time seems to, to make you quite versatile. What I'm interested to know about, though, is that 10K, although very quick at 31.28 at Noosa, I'm seeing that in 2002, is that that would probably be a standout as a weaker one. Uh, I think you would agree to that, yeah? Soft. So what, what's soft, the go with the 10K? Soft, I think the right word. <laughs> yeah, um, never really enjoyed 10K on the track. Uh and um, I, I had this issue with um, I would um, su have had trouble with the bends, so I'd pronate really badly on the on the bends. So when I go around a bend, I would um, like on my spikes, I'd almost be running on the side of my spike, you know, rather than flat-footed. When I go around the bends, like my spikes always had the 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 red from the from the track, the tartan on the on outside the, on the actual. On the outside, like the the the, uh, the actual shoe, you know what I mean. Rather than so, I was pronating every time I went around a bend. So every time I came to a bend, I got I go, oh god, here we go again, sort of thing. So um, I'm more of a straight line type guy. So I could get away with it over five uh, k, um, obviously shorter, fifteen hundred, three k. But but yeah, ten k, I, mean, I really struggled with um, the bends on the track. And what event was that at Noosa, September two thousand and two? Yeah, that was when I ran 28. No, I ran 28 uh, in uh, Japan. So um, that might, I'm not sure where you got the news yeah, one. Yeah, this is no... a RAAF profile. Yeah, this is what I like to confirm. So go on, what's, what's no, the go with that no, time there? Yeah, so I ran, uh, it was in an Ekaden. So uh, I went over to Japan um, representing Australia in an Ekaden uh, a number of times. So I one of the times I ran the first leg, which was 10K, and I ran 28 flat, which is my best time for 10K. 28.00 is what I ran for the first leg of the Ekaden. Yeah, that sounds that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> mm, yeah. And I've seen yeah. 28.32 for 10,000 on the track in Canberra, 1988, back in my birth year. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, think I did actually run 28.30 dead somewhere. So I think 28.30 is my PB for 10 on the track. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we mentioned the half two, 3,747.66 back in 1990 in Sydney, 1325.49 yeah. in Melbourne, 91 the year after. And yeah. what else is on here? 15K in Perth. So I'm wondering what that event too is, 1989.43.54. Yeah, so we, they're, um, now they have the Australian Half Marathon Championship, whereas back in the day it was uh, 15K was the um, Australian Road Championship. So uh, the half marathon wasn't really an event. The half marathon probably only came into being an event, uh, you know, with regards to a championship. I don't know, but it wasn't, it wasn't always that. It was, uh, it was, it, it was initially 15K. So um, it was 15K, 15, 15K. Then all of a sudden they, it changed from 15K to the half marathon. So when I, whatever, whatever event you're talking about there was, when I would have run in the Australian road championship, which would have been a 15 K whereas now it's, it's half marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what, looking back at all these PVs and achievements for you, Pat, what, what sits, what sits the, the most proudest achievements amongst are those? Uh, well, I mean, I, every, all my PVs I won. So I was first, um, 
uh, in the event for all my PBs. Um, so you know, it's pretty pretty uh, pretty cool when I um, won them all, won the races, and and ran a PB also. Um, you know, the fifteen hundred. It was uh, a Grand Prix meet in Canberra, and at the time that was um, an all-comers record for Canberra. So at that time, I mean, I was a marathon runner, but I came and I and I, and I ran the fastest time ever run in Canberra for fifteen hundred meters, which was three thirty-nine. When I ran seven forty-seven, that was a lot at a large um, Grand Prix track meet in Sydney, which I won and um, uh, beat Yovis Ondieki and um, Gary Staines and Andrew Lloyd, a no, number of other people. And when I ran that, I was the second fastest Australian. I just missed uh, Ron Clark's Australian record, uh, at the, which was still current at the time. So I, when I ran 7.47, I was the second fastest Australian all time. 10K, soft. I, I, I don't deny that at all. Um, the half, the half marathon. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I had a great day. Um, I've often told the story that I was running along and I got away. It was a two-lap course, and I got away from Mona after the first lap. And uh, a camera car came up beside me, and um, he said, um, "How you feeling, mate?" And I said, um, "I feel um, bleep bleep fantastic." Uh, the only thing that stopped. I don't think it stopped me going any faster. I was I can't move my can't move my legs any quicker. So I was my breathing was just priceless, you know, and I just just couldn't move my legs any quicker. So around 61.11 over over a tough course. So two laps around Sydney City, which is a hilly course. So um, yeah, 61.11 over the hills in Sydney times two. Uh, when I won um, Beppu in 2.9, um, yeah, I mean it was just uh, another great day. Um, conditions weren't sensational, but still ran fantastic. I had a ding dong battle over the last um, 10k with the um, a German guy, Stefan Freigang, who got the bronze medal at the Olympics um, three years earlier. And um, Densimo, the world record holder for the marathon, was in that race also. So, um, yeah, but I had a ding dong, you know, almost like Deke and Shahanga thing in Brisbane. I had that with um, yeah. the German guy over the last 10k. And I broke away, and um, my last five k was under fourteen minutes, which was pretty quick for back running for back then. So um, that was um, that was pretty special, yeah. But and, you know, uh, my Gold Coast, my Gold Coast wins are always all, all pretty special, also. Yeah, yeah, lo local wins, I guess. Hey, and how? What mm. was the course like, both for Sydney? Like, is that the same course as now as part of the half, and also the Japan course? Was that how many hills were in that? Or was it a flat course? uh sydney yes sydney or course? either or yeah sydney first yeah yeah you can't you can't run two laps around sydney city without um, yeah without it being a, without it being a hilly course so um it's not the same course as now uh back when i won it uh, started underneath the harbour bridge went past pier one went up hickson road um all the way to the end and chucked a left went through hyde park went down to mrs macquarie's chair and then when you got to Mrs. Macquarie's chair, you turned around and climbed all the way back up to the art gallery. And from the art gallery, uh, you chucked a right down Macquarie Street uh, down to the um, Opera House and went along um, uh, past um, Circular Quay, went through Circular Quay uh, back to Pier, uh, back past underneath the um, Harbour Bridge and did that twice. So, you know, Hickson Road's pretty, pretty lumpy. There's a large climb from Hickson Road up to Hyde Park, 
which I which at the time I think it's called actually I was running beside Mona and it's actually called Ballarat Street or something. It's something or Bendigo was some sort of significance when I was running beside Mona when we're going up this road. But anyway, that was a long, sharp uh, climb. Uh, pretty flat when you got through Hyde Park. You, you drop down to Mr Macquarie's chair, which is not too bad, but big climb from Macquarie's chair. So tough, it was a tough course. And, and that was twice, so two laps of that. So oh, it, was, yeah. you know, it was a sensational run. Even Mona said at the time, he, I mean, I've got something up here on my brag shelf where Mona said um, it was the greatest run by anyone on Australian soil, like any run, any run. Yeah, most, no, actually, he said it was the most underrated. That's right, the under, most oh, underrated. Yeah, yeah. Most yeah. underrated. Because of the time, um, uh, Heather Turlin, she won the women's that day, and she sort of stole my limelight a little bit because um, uh, she was an, uh, an unknown mum of 100 kids who uh, came out and um, won the half marathon. So um, that's okay. Lovely lady and all. Uh, but, yeah, so that was pretty special. But, yeah, like the Gold Coast ones, um, you know, maybe uh, my last uh, Gold Coast one when I um, uh, beat uh, past Gert Ties, um, uh, who went out at world record pace. I passed him with um, uh, 300 metres to go. I mean, that was, that was pretty special. So a lot of, lot of memories. And the thing too is, at your time of running, you know, these Gold Coast events, what was the world record for the marathon in, in respect to your 209, 210, and any runs near that time? What was the world record? Yeah, okay. So when I ran 209.39, um, I mentioned before, Densimo was in the race and uh, he had um, he had the world record and the world record was 206.50. So he, uh, so I was three minutes off the world record when I ran 209.39. Yes, yeah, so it's what we often forget. You know, that that's, that's someone these days, if we're, you know, comparing it, running a, a 203 compared to Kipchoge's two. So I think the, we often forget that gap, Pat, too. Not just the significance of a sub 210, but the, the gap uh, as small as that that you had to some of the fastest runners out there, I think was amazing. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a fair comparison. I mean, you know, the, the Africans... Uh, you know, there's a lot more Africans in it now. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a lot more, um, uh, you know, really good African runners that, that are running the marathon. I mean, uh, it wasn't always the case back then. It was, it was more, um, uh, you know, with the Africans, the marathon was something that they turned to after they finished with their track and after they finished with their cross country. Whereas I think it started to be, you know, with the Africans that, you know, bang, you know, you're an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, you're going to be a marathon runner or whatever, you know. So I think that um, uh, led to the improvement um, uh, and, you know, along with um, the doping. And um, so that, that sort of made the, um, the standards sort of go through the roof. Yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. So let's get to uh, your story anyway, your upbringing, Pat, and come back to the marathon and, and all things PCRG, PCRG too, hey? So you're, you're um, where were we exactly mm. born? You said you are brought up in Camp Hill in Brisbane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, Camp Hill, yep. So yeah. I lived there until I was um, in my early 20s. Yeah. yeah, and where were you born exactly? Which hospital? Yeah, rural Brisbane. 
Royal yeah. Brisbane. Oh, hang on, no, hang on. No, Matt, no, 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 Matt, <laughs> no. I was, so Southside. So I was a Southside boy. So Southside boy, you went to um, the Marta. Mount Marta, the Marta. Did I say Mount Albert? Marta. Uh, Southside, Southside, you went to the Marta. Northside, you went to Royal Brisbane. So you would have gone to Royal Brisbane. Northside, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Ashgrove. Yeah, yeah. Depends which side of the river you lived yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. As to yeah, which one so, you went to. So your early days then, what were your parents into? Were they into running at all or physical activity or sport? What sort of things led led you into the sport? And then also like the primary <laughs> school influences as well there, Pat? Yeah, no, um, my parents weren't uh, in maybe a social game of tennis, uh, but that's about as far as it, it goes. My dad might have played football in his um, uh, early life, but uh, that certainly would have stopped um, when he was in his um, 20s, I'd say. So dad didn't do any sport, any activity at all. Lawn bowls, if you call lawn bowls a sport, I mean, an active sport. I mean, it's a great sport, don't get me wrong. Um <laughs> But uh, um, not, a, not a physical sport. So as far as physical stuff goes, no, Dad didn't do anything um, for the last 30 years, of 40 years of his life. Um, Mum played a social game of tennis up until um, once a week, up until she couldn't play a social game of tennis anymore. So, so Mum might have played, um, you know, maybe into her 50s social game of tennis once a week, yeah. But that was typical of, um, uh, you know, the, the era that I, um, mm. you know, lived in, like my parents. Um, so, you know, your, your dad was very active, but uh, that, that sort of maybe started sort of the next generation after me. Uh, whereas, um, you know, when I went through, you know, looking back, and, I, and I've often thought about this, um, my, my, my parents' friends, none of them were active. And that was typical of that generation. Social game of tennis is as far as mm. the majority majority of that generation went. And um, so I was sort of, um, you know, uh, as a, um, I'll start off as a jogger, all right? And, um, and you, you wouldn't really, before I started uh, jogging the roads around Camp Hill and Brisbane City, uh, it wasn't a common thing to see people out running and, and and i even had people throw shit at me like fruit and whatever like you know you bloody idiot what do you think you're doing you know and you next thing you know you got an apple coming your way or something you know so it was so uncommon that um uh people would people would throw shit at you out of their cars <laughs> or or heckle you you know because and which which you know didn't bother me i thought oh well whatever you know but um didn't stop me you know but uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't unusual that to happen. So yeah, even though Sue Desert's been going for whatever number of years, um, uh, you know, generally speaking, there, there wasn't a lot of people out running back when I started. Yeah, very different, isn't it? So primary school, where, where mm. did you attend for primary, and and how did running play a part of your time in in primary school? Yeah, I went to St. Thomas's at uh, Camp Hill. So I, you know, lived, literally lived 50 metres, 100 metres from the school. So I just had to walk up the road and I was at school. Uh, and um, so I, I was there until grade three. Uh, and that was run by the nuns. And then I went from uh, there to St. Lawrence's. So I started at St. Lawrence's in oh. uh, uh, grade four. Did you go to Ashgrove? Did you Ashgrove, Ashgrove yeah. Ashgrove? The Laurie's thing's uh, new to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah same so competition, I went to, yeah. 
Yeah, so I went to Laurie's in uh, grade four and uh, stayed there all the way through to grade 12. So um, sport-wise, I played rugby in my um, early years. And, uh, you know, at, you know, from when I was like five or six, whatever, I played rugby at uh, East Rugby Union down at Bolmley Park. Um, so I played that for a number of years. And then, um, uh, then I played a little bit for school. Also, I, I would have played a fair bit for school. So all the way through primary, I would have played um, football uh, at, uh, in my primary years. And I dabbled a little bit in cross country. So um, I made the school cross country team, you know, once or twice. Uh, uh, but up, up until after about, um, say, uh, I don't know, year nine, I didn't, uh, it wasn't involved in any sport at all. So um, the last few years at school, uh, I didn't. I wasn't involved in any sort of sport. Wow! And what was what was your build back then? Were you were you a, a fairly strong built young man? Or no, not really. No, I was not really. I was just normal build. Like I wasn't. Um, I wasn't carrying any weight. Just a just a normal sort of build. Yeah. So when I um, uh, in the last sort of year or so, um, Bruce Lee was um, uh, very much active and making movies and. And then the people, the group of guys I was and friends with, we were pretty. We liked to go and see the Bruce Lee movies when they came out. So we would go and see the uh, the premiere of Enter the Dragon or whatever, and um, which was which was fantastic. I had a Bruce Lee poster on my wall at, at home, and um, so uh, I made a pact with myself that when I left school, I'd take up karate, which I did, and um, and lived and breathed it. Uh, but it wasn't karate; it was taekwondo. So I did Taekwondo. So, um, and then I went to try, uh, I stopped doing Taekwondo, did another, did a form of karate. And um, anyway, cut a long story short, I, um, I, I used to do something every day. So if I didn't do karate, I'd go for a run because uh, just, just because I was, I wanted to keep active, wanted to be fit like Bruce Lee. I wanted to get a six pack like Bruce <laughs> Lee. So I, um, so I, I used to work out, um, every day and i even used to run with um some sort of weights in my hands uh to um you know make it a bit harder so uh yeah so i got into the running only because i was supplementing that for the karate anyway eventually i uh, gave karate the flick because i got a bit jack of um driving and i found with the running i could just go out the door and i just just got a bit bit over sort of driving because the the this actual karate place, which um, was really good, was over at Albion. And, um, uh, you know, there was local ones, but, but you know, there's a lot of um, karate and, and taekwondo places that they just basically just take your money, you know, and, um, and, and it's just a money-making venture for them. So but I did find one over at the north side, which was, which was not like that, but I got a bit jack of driving there. So um, just started running more. Because, uh, you know, it was easier. Just run out the door. Didn't have to drive somewhere. Didn't have to wait for class to start, whatever. You know, just bang out the door. So I used to um, just aimlessly run. And uh, I'd do, do silly stuff like um, I lived at Camp Hill. So I'd, I'd run uh, from Camp Hill. I'd run over to Story Bridge. Uh, I'd run through Brisbane City. From Brisbane City, I'd go out uh, Ipswich Road to uh, my grandmother's house at Maruka. I'd sit down, have a cup of tea with my grandmother at Maruka, 
and then I'd run from Marika back to my mum's place at Camp Hill, all in a pair of Dunlop volleys, mind you. Oh, yeah. And, um, hey, many dirt yeah. roads back then too, around your area. Oh, come on, mate. I'm not that fucking I'm not that old. That's what Dad says out of Everton Park, mate. Everton Park had a few mm. dirt roads. No, mate, come on. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not talking, we're not talking horse and carts. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you know. How we put paths at least? I didn't mean to mislead. I didn't mean to mislead you by the, you know, no one else running and people throwing food at you. you know, <laughs> um, there were aeroplanes. There were, they, and they had invented the wheel. Um, but, um, yeah, so no, no rhyme or reason to my running. And then um, Deke was starting to come through and uh, I, was, I was very much in awe of what Deke was doing. And um, so that basically changed my direction and... Um, uh yeah just just sort of i don't know i i um i saw him in the commonwealth games in uh, brisbane in 82 and uh at that point i was still a um a very much a an average runner with no um i don't even think i'd been in in an event yet you know i don't think i've been in a fun run so the first fun run i went in was um uh they used to have this warana fun run and I was running through South Bank and there's all these people and I, and I saw this fellow I knew. I said, what's going on here? And he said, it's a fun run. I said, what's that? I said, well, you, <laughs> we're going a bloody run, mate. Anyway, so I borrowed five bucks off him and um, I, entered the, I entered the Warana fun run, which was like 8K. And then after that, just ran home again, you know. So that was my first race, so to speak. And um, so uh, anyway, there was a... Um, I used to go on the Brisbane Road. After that, I got, a, got into the Brisbane Road runners and they used to run out at um, St. Lucia around the Queensland Uni. So um, I, uh, I used to go on the events out there, which around a 5K circuit. And one day I got talking to a group of guys there and they uh, asked me to join their athletics club because there was a relay race coming up. Uh, so, uh, so I joined the athletics club and went in this relay race, which was from Caboolture to Mullaney. And uh, so you just ran certain legs of the relay. And, um, you know, it was, it was amazing to think back to those times because it's like, you know, Caboolture, like no police, no nothing, just, you know, on the roads, Caboolture, off you go, you know, random, random changeovers, no, um, uh, you know, no, no road closure, trucks going past or whatever. Wow. You know, just here we go. Just, just make sure you just pray to God you get to Maloney, you know. <laughs> And um, so uh, that, that, that went forever in the day, the Caboolture mate. So that was my first um, club run was uh, these, these fellas uh, recruited me for this uh, club run. And um, so then, uh, yeah, I don't think I even knew, uh, even then I didn't even know about the marathon because I, um, I think there might have been a trial, might have been a trial race. I did a trial race for the Commonwealth Games over the, I don't think, I don't know if there was or not. But anyway, before the Brisbane Mar Commonwealth Games Marathon, I didn't know much about the marathon or didn't even know the marathon existed. So that was the first time that I sort of went to a marathon event was the Commonwealth Games in Brisbane, 82. Anyway, cut a long story short, <clears throat> that was 82 when I was an absolute hack and no direction might have done the Caboolture Mulaney run, relay. I don't know how he, what I ran there. Anyway, in 87, five years later, I was sitting on a plane beside Deke going to the World Cross Country Championship. So I made the World Cross Country Championship. So I went from zero 
to representing Australia in that um, uh, in five years, and I and I and I'm I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, shit, I'm sitting inside Dick, you know, <laughs> and um, and uh, I said, mate, I said we got talking or whatever, and uh, I said, you know, you're solid solely responsible for me being here you know you won the Commonwealth games in brisbane inspired me started training whatever and uh here i am five years later on an australian team sitting beside you wow yeah yeah so um yeah so i uh, obviously um had a pretty quick sort of um transition from um weekend warrior to uh elite runner and how'd you go initially yeah. like with all this running mentally and physically, like were you, did you notice you were recovering pretty well once you started running and you're running for long periods of time pretty quickly, like would have been an hour to two hours. Like how were you going mentally out there <clears throat> running initially? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Mentally fine. Cause, cause uh, you know, one of the reasons why I um, looking back that running appealed to me is um, it's just in my nature and it's something that was natural to me, you know? So it, it brought me a lot of peace, and um, I felt really good after I um, after I did it. So I've always had that mm. feeling with um, with exercise, whether it be um, uh, paddling the kayak or um, running, is um, for my mental health. And even though I've never really struggled with my mental health, but uh, um, I uh, looking back now, I um, I think I've always been pretty good in that regard because I've exercised. And um, that's been that's been my um, drug of choice. So really, I you know pretty much probably got into running because um, it, the running I felt good when I ran. Yeah. So so um, or after I finished. And yeah, but uh, with regards to fatigue, no, I never felt tired. But I multiple injuries in the early days, like multiple stress fractures, tibia, fib, tib and fib. Uh, stress fractures um, multiple times in my uh, lower legs uh, from um, just getting into it too hard too soon. And what shoes were so, you? A lot, lot of interest. Yeah, so I went from, yeah, yeah. So I went from um, uh, the Dunlop Volleys to KT 26s. And um, I thought KT 26s were unbelievable because they, they like had this rubber that sort of spread as when you when you when you put your foot down so it's like it's like you know i thought this these things are like bloody moon like like i'm running on the moon you know or whatever so um uh yeah done up all these kd26s and then um yeah i don't know maybe i started running and whatever i don't know what, where i went from there but um uh so yeah it's definitely uh not definitely started off in the um the Kmart side of things rather than the um, in-training, uh, you know, uh, side of the um, boutique running shoes. Yeah, it took me a while to get into the boutique running shoes. But uh, having said that, I'm um, uh, 61 now and uh, I haven't bought a pair of running shoes since I was um, in my early 20s. Mizuno still helped me out. So, um, <laughs> yeah, haven't bought a, haven't bought a pair of running shoes the best part of 40 years. It's not which um which is pretty cool, yeah. So um, yeah, retired retired elite runner, but I still have some great people that still um support me and and um and I'm happy to promote you know their brand. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. So so Pat, those those first couple of races on the uh, elite scene, so to speak, uh, what were they, and which ones sort of put you in a position to think that 
running was a was a thing for you to do professionally? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, like when I started, you know, out at uh, road runners, you know, I was coming in the twenties, you know, the twenty k race or thirty k race, whatever, and I'd I'd finish in the twenties or thirties, and then um, started finishing top ten and started winning some of the road runners ones. So, you know, I guess I never had, a, I didn't have a lot of confidence in the early days because I thought I looked at the, the Brisbane level as being, you know, I'll never be that good sort of thing. And um, I can remember one time, even when I was doing that, and I wasn't even at the Brisbane level, and uh, an auntie of mine gave me a tracksuit for Christmas and it was a Maroon tracksuit, like a Queensland tracksuit. And I was embarrassed because I, I sort of thought, there's no way in the world I can wear this thing. I'll, I'll never bloody enter, end up representing Queensland. You know, bloody, how can I be seen in public in this thing? So she bought me this tracksuit. So, um, but yeah, as time went on and I started winning races and um, uh, through the inspiration from Deke and whatever, I just started to get a really strong feeling in my gut that I was going to be okay at it. And... Um, uh, so I made a pact with myself in my early 20s that, um, uh, you know, one of my brothers was crook at the time. And, um, and so from an early, early time in my life, I had a, um, a very close um, uh, interaction with, you know, life and, and how, it's, how we're not going to be here forever sort of thing. Big wake-up call from an early, very early age. And so then I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. Um, I'm going to use running as a way to be remembered. So whether it was an ego thing or what, what not, but I um, just was conscious of the fact that I was only going to have a couple of decades of youthfulness to work with. And uh, so I decided that I was going to just get in and, and um, because I knew one day that I would be, talking to someone like yourself and I, and I'd be 61 years of age and, and, you know, totally impossible for me to get the most out of myself because your body starts breaking down and muscles get smaller and whatever. So I knew this, this day would come. So in my twenties, I was aware of this day, right? This, this day today where I am not now. So that's why I made the most of, the opportunity in my um, 20s and 30s because I wanted to uh, be my age now and look back and know that I gave it my best shot. Yeah, so, so I guess, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess talking about that, leading into those bigger achievements we mentioned earlier, what what then would a training typical training week for Pat Carroll look like when you were making the most of it? Uh, yeah, so I ran twice a day every day. Uh, um, except for, uh, geez, what was that? Maybe Friday, Monday, maybe. So uh, twice a day, every day. Uh, run hard, ran hard three times a week and the rest of the time just jogging. But uh, always staying true to the long run. So all year round, just ran long on a Sunday. Uh, so, you know, two, two hours, 40, whatever. Um, rain, hail or shine on a Sunday. And, um, yeah, just ran every day, no days off, unless I was injured. And who was guiding you then uh, at that point in time, Pat? 
yeah, just I just uh, followed what Dick was doing. So just <laughs> just ran like just ran like Dick, which is pretty much um, the same week multiplied by fifty two. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, unless you're um, easing up for a race, or unless you're recovering from a marathon, so uh, we kept it pretty simple back then. And how about the hills too, Pat? Were you running a, a fair few hills specifically at the time, or was it naturally through the areas you were living that you're running over hills? Uh, long runs were always hilly, so um, uh, and always off road. So majority of my running was off road. Uh, so the only time, once I went to Canberra, uh, maybe before Canberra, I ran a lot on the more on the roads and footpaths. But from Canberra onwards, which would have been um, uh, late eighties to um, two thousand, uh, the only time I'd run on the road if I was going to a park, or if I was um, going to a running to a forest, or whatever. So it was only a means to get somewhere. It wasn't like uh, you would go for a specific road run. So uh, yeah, a lot of running on the on the. So when I was in Canberra, uh, we ran um, Stromlo Forest and just ridiculously hilly, like stupid hills. Yeah, and we used to charge up the hills, and um, you know, didn't was just it was just natural. Just you know, we go another hill. You know, it was didn't seem like hard work. It just uh, it just we just got over the hills and just worked the hills and. And, um, and, and, you know, didn't know what pace we were running at, just, uh, just ran honest for, um, you know, 35K. Yeah. And the same thing when I was in Brisbane, I used to, yeah. So even before I went to Canberra and, uh, certainly after I came home here from Canberra, I, um, would, uh, drive down Daisy Hill and sometimes meet some fellas for a run, but sometimes not. So I never had a problem with, um, running for the best part of three hours by myself um, in Daisy Hill, over the hills. Uh, um, so, yeah, just always stayed true to the long run. And what about so the, the three sessions you're talking about? Was there any specific uh, reps over hills in those or any specificity in terms of uh, length, threshold versus interval training and that kind of thing? Yeah, we do hill reps. So uh, we do hill reps over like 300 metres. We jog back, jog back down. Um, so that was, I suppose it was a few sessions we used to uh, um, mix, it, mix it around with. Uh, ran track all the time, so always ran, ran 400 meter reps, like uh, eight 400s with a 200 jog, which works out to, um, I think, 4.8K uh, by the time you've done the session. So uh, regular one was, um, uh, yeah, eight, eight, 400 meter reps on the track. But we used to, the recoveries we used to keep pretty honest. So it was pretty much a, a 4.8K session with a little bit of a recovery every 400 metres. Uh, and uh, we used to do one mile reps. We used to do mile reps. Uh, we do like five one mile reps. Uh, we do 1K reps. Um, and uh, those, were, those were in the forest or on the road. Uh, the 1K or the one mile reps. And uh, on the Saturday, we would um, we'd do uh, a hill session. So uh, maybe uh, 20 minutes of attacking some ridiculous hills over Stromlo Forest. And then uh, once we'd finished the hills, 
the last 20 minutes, uh, we'd, we'd run hard back to where we started. So it was like a threshold run after we did 20 minutes of hills. So um, that was typical of the um, three sessions a week. Uh, but I, I, no, I used to do 1K reps until the cows came home, um, uh, pretty much uh, week on, week off. But I run them really quick, like, um, you know, 235, 240, whatever. But would never go past five, always maxed out at five 1K reps. Uh, and um, so we never did any um, uh, tempo running uh, in training, never did any uh, that sort of thing. It was basically um, all or uh, just jogging. Really fast yeah. or so, slow. Uh, so, so every session, every session was um, was pretty much balls out. And, and how's your uh, long run pace? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, pre pre sat navs, but uh, there was a time when I uh, was in Brisbane and uh, I was running long by myself and never didn't have a clue what pace I was running at. Yeah. And uh, and before I went home, I I thought, oh, I'll I'll run a kilometer. I'll run the lap of the um, Cusack, you know, the old ANZ Stadium there. Which is one kilometre exactly. I used to do one k reps around there. I've done, I've done, hun- oh, about hundreds, but I've done a crap load of reps around um, the ring road. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Did years and years of one k reps around there. Anyway, so I thought, oh, before I go home, I'll just time myself and see what I'm running here, and consciously didn't didn't like kick the pace up, whatever. Just kept jogging. And anyway, three forty. I ran three. I was running three forty per k um, for. Um, uh that lap so that was the pace i was running at in my long run but i you know it just felt it felt it just felt normal you know it didn't feel didn't feel stupid didn't feel like i was pushing myself just felt like oh well that's okay 340 and even then it it sort of didn't um i didn't think oh geez that's a bit quick you know maybe i should slow these down or whatever i just went oh yeah fair enough 340 okay that's that's my question how did you know it was a bad thing to do like why was there no thought to run them hard back then what knowledge did you have that you were like needed to back off a bit in the long run was it really to recover for that next fast session um well uh it was more we we, we sort of looked at it more of um you know no we had a big thing about no super sessions we were we were very much into a culture of um consistency and uh and um doing our very best to uh just keep training and keep training and keep training but um, but having said that, you know, three forty k pace is pretty honest pace for a long run back then. Mm. Uh, for a for a, even for a elite runner now, I don't think that they would run um, much quicker than that for um, a long run. So it was probably it's probably I reckon it was getting close to the pointy end of what I should have been in, ideally involving for pace. But we did, uh, and I did. Um, you know, all the long runs were over over a hilly course, so um, just getting over the hills was was a task in themselves. Like ridiculously massive hills in Stromlo Forest back then, and even Daisy Hill. Daisy Hill's got some crazy crazy hills in there. So uh, yeah, just um, just hilly long runs. So uh, yeah, none of you know I've sort of listened to uh, Brett Robinson's podcast on occasion, not 
not often, but I listened to one recently, and um, he, I think he did, I think he did 21k reps with 1k on, 1k off. I could be wrong. I might have. I thought that sounds a bit fast. But anyway, he so he did a 40k run, but every second kilometer was like 250 marathon pace or whatever. Which you know, good luck to him. <laughs> you know, I, you know, that's fine if that if that's works for him. No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, questioning what he does but um we didn't and i didn't i always talk weak as soon as trying to group we didn't uh do any race pace running within our long runs right they're just a long run just get out there hang shit off each other have muck around talk whatever um yeah it was no sort of okay uh we're going to run the next 10k at such and such a pace or we're going to run you know, close to half marathon pace for the next fifteen k or whatever. It was none of that. It was um, it was basically just a long run over the hills, and uh, but we used to race a fair bit. So uh, yeah, I always used to rely on my races as um, you know, an indication as to how I was going, and to use them as um, you know, pre-fitness indicators leading into a marathon. Yes, how many? What was the most marathons you did, for example, in a year to fit in around training? Yeah, I don't know. I might have run four maybe once. I'm not sure, but uh, probably three was max. Yeah, three would have been max. Yeah, and then the longest long runs, were they consistently at the same distance or do they kind of ebb and flow seasonally through the year? Yeah, so, um, yeah, always throughout the year. So the only time that uh, I wouldn't be going out for a um, a two-hour, 40-minute long run was um, maybe if I was – doing some track races uh, or, or if I had a race the next weekend. But uh, majority of the year was, you know, even even right from the word go, I was locked into marathon mode. So, you know, you're a marathon runner. You, you're running long all year round, you know. So, uh, you know, Christmas Day, whatever. I don't care what day of the year it is, you know. Out you get, you know, long run. You, you're a marathoner. That's what you do. So, um, so we do 35K in the morning, another – eight or 10 K. So I was running a marathon every weekend. So that's, you know, 35 in the morning and eight or 10 in the afternoon. So, uh, you know, I only ran, um, only ran, you know, early mid 20 marathons, you know, I don't know, 23, 25 elite marathons, but, um, marathon distance, uh, you know, let's, let's say, um, you know, 52 weeks in a year, you know, maybe 40 weeks of that year of each of those 20 years, I ran a marathon every weekend. Yeah, yeah. So how do you squeeze in races like... So 40 times, 40 times stuff? 20. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, like, you know, yeah. anywhere from 1,500 up to, to the half marathon, how how do you back up with long runs or sort of cater the training yeah, around so if, the well, races? If I, was, if, I was, if I was getting myself in track mode, then, then I wouldn't go past two hours. I'd still go for two-hour run on the weekend. But, uh, yeah, track mode... Um, would be um, uh, you drop the long run back for a couple of weeks or whatever, a few weeks. Yeah, but uh, that's only during the track season, which was and you know I wouldn't go on that many track races, maybe three or four track races, but I didn't didn't compete in the track a hell of a lot. Yeah, yeah, and what? So it was always it was always like there's always a consciousness there of when I was not running long, there was always like a guilt thing or a or an awareness that, you know, I'm, I'm giving up a long run here, you know. So uh, I know I keep banging on about long run, long run, long run. But, um, 
that was just the culture we had back then. You know, if you're a marathoner, then, you know, you, you're running long every week, you know. And midweek, midweek we'd go for an hour 40, two hours, midweek. Yeah, so would you pick the long run as the most important through the week? I know that's, that can be a, a pretty yeah, definitely, uh, yeah, basic 100%. question, but I mean, uh, you know, you want variety with the speed and long run, but uh, is that, was that what you would talk about too with your athletes, your coach, if they want to start to compete in halves and marathons, long run's very important? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the polarised training method. So, you know, polarised being you're either – you're either going hard up here or you're going easy down here. There's no no middle stuff. You know, I'm not a big believer in the middle stuff. I'm not a big believer in the, um, you know, doing a, a 10K tempo run. Um, I, I, you know, call me old school. Talk, call me caught stuck in the dark ages or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's what worked for everyone in my era, you know. And, um, and you know, here we are um uh 20 plus years later and uh there's not uh, a lot of australians running better than what we did over the marathon you know and uh so um there has to be some uh truth in the way we train uh and i, I do know that, that that as um in a in the sport we we need to develop and you know people uh uh, do different studies and 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 work out well hang on this is um the right way to go and, and of course what works for one person you know may not work for the other but but you know i basically just stay with what i know works for the majority of people you know and um you know with we and once again you know when i i do the online thing and um my whole sort of um uh, way of thinking is all about trying to maintain some consistency rather than um, you know you know going hard and breaking down and there goes three or four weeks you know build up again so you know try and keep under that danger line um, you know an ideal world we'd have a crystal ball as to what's too much and then you back off from that but uh, it's not not the way it is so um yeah, some people can train harder than others, but you know, I I always work around what the general sort of way to go is. Oh yeah, so if we stick on the marathon then, and the, and that particularly that that uh, men's side of the marathon, and you know, twenty years basically there between Brett and Lee Brett Robinson and Lee Troop uh, being under two ten. What do you what things can you think of that? they may not be doing that guys like yourself back then were i think if we talk about the hills for example pat do you think the athletes now are doing as, as many hills consistency you've just spoken about and that's not just week yeah, in week out that's year I, after year after year yeah 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 well i've i mean i have stuck my head in the door occasionally to listen to how these guys train now right and um and you know, not for a second am I going to discredit the way they train because you know Australian distance running is just going through the roof, and you know mm -hmm. so many. You know, I'm not going to name anyone because I'll leave someone out. But the standard within Australian distance running is just uh, now is absolutely sensational. Jack Rayner, Brett Robinson, bloody Jess Trangrove, bloody Eloise Weddings, whatever. You know, there's so many, so many. Um, 
absolutely sensational. And it's better than best era of distance running that we've ever had, right? Um, but reading between the lines, I the only thing that really stands out for me is uh, when I hear them now talk about the marathon training block. Okay, now I'm going to get into a marathon training block. And um, whereas, you know, you've heard me say, 52 weeks of the year was our marathon training block, you know. So uh, that's the main difference in the school of thought that, that I seem to um, see. And, and whether, you know, Brett's running Fluke Lake next week, he might come out and run 2-7, which is fantastic. <laughs> good, luck, good luck to him. Good luck to him. You know, and um, and uh, and and you know, he's he's got the potential to run that. But uh, yeah, if you're looking at, if you're telling me what's what do I see as the main difference, is that is is the 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 training block that they talk about now. You know, I just I just don't quite understand training block. I'm mean, I'm thinking, well, hmm. you, you're devoting you're devoting yourself to the marathon. It's 52 weeks a year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So do you think perhaps they're racing too much amongst the, uh, you know, shorter events and maybe a focus more so around the marathon entirely? No, and then no not, not really. I mean, where needed. Not really. I mean, uh, there's there's great benefit in in running, you know, trying to run your best 5K, you know. But, but you know, we always used to think that, you know, run 5K, run 5,000 metres, while you're in marathon mode, while you're in marathon training, because you can, if you're gonna, if you're running sensational over five thousand meters, while you're running all these kilometers, then you're right to go for the marathon. So we, we, we used to use five k, three k, as a an indicator that you know everything's coming together because you because you're running big big kilometer weeks, but you're still going, you're still managing to run really well over five k. So you're sort of bringing them, bringing it together, you know. So uh, that was an um, indication there. So I don't think, um, uh, yeah, just just all, all year round. So what was what was the other part of your question? Sorry, I've forgotten now myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back and rewind. But um, yeah, so uh, if they race too much, yeah, yeah right, no, yeah, racing yeah, too I, much. So like, were you? No, I don't think you know, these think, guys are doing five race, and a three k and a ten k and. Like yeah, you said, there's, there's marathon blocks. I mean, you got, I, mean, I mean, that's all good. I mean, you're a distance runner and that's what it's all about. I mean, it's not all about training. It's all about, um, uh, you know, you got you want to get out there and race also. But um, I guess, you know, only backing off occasionally, you know. Main focus is the marathon. Yes, you've got a race coming up. Well, let's back off for 10 days or so, you know. I mean, uh the example I've often used, and I've, I've, I've mentioned this to Mona, but he doesn't quite remember it, but I, I remember it as clear as the day. There, used, there was this um, uh, road race in Jakarta back in the day, and it was a big money road race, 10K, and uh, bloody hot, and um, all the, used to get all the superstars there and whatever. And um, I heard a story that um, Mona got invited to this 10K race in Jakarta. Right, and this was at a time when, when you know, he might have got his bronze at the uh, Commonwealth Games and the marathon in Edinburgh or whatever, but you know, hadn't run any big marathon, big city marathons, 
probably hadn't earned any money. Money might have got a couple of grand here and there, whatever. Wasn't earning money. Anyway, so I believe he got offered 10 grand to go to Jakarta to run in this 10K race. And, you know, Jakarta, you could have been, you know, up there and back in a few days, you know, 10 grand to start, you know, wherever. He said, no, I'm doing a long run that weekend. Right. So, and that was, that was typical, typical of how dedicated he was. And, and I, you know, I, I, I suppose, Myself to a certain extent, but I, I, I always looked at mine as being more de- more dedicated, more planned, and more focused than myself. But that's an example of how focused you are when you are a um, marathon. You're putting all your eggs in the one basket. Someone's dangling ten grand in front of you, probably ten grand to US too, by the way. So someone's dangling ten grand in front. Of you. No, mate, I'm it's all right. I'm doing a long run that weekend. I'll stay here. Yeah. So that's the that's the dedication, that's mm. the commitment, that's the focus to the marathon. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that, that even seems like what Kipchoge is doing now too. When as he's getting older, he's still getting faster, but he seems to race very <laughs> uh, infrequently through the year and pops up and, and and runs these amazing times. So would he be an example of someone? Do you think that he's getting it right? Obviously, he's the fastest, but <laughs> oh yeah, he might be. He might be conscious of. Um... He might might not want to, might not want to. Um, probably doesn't doesn't have to for obvious reasons. You know, he probably owns bloody twenty resorts in, in Kenya. <laughs> and good luck to him. But um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, as you get older, you and um, what, what is he thirty seven? As you get older, I think so. Yeah, you know, you you can't you can't you can't race. You don't recover as well. So, you know, so he's probably factoring that in. Yeah, he's probably just happy just to sort of stay at home and be with his family, I suppose, because he can, he's all set up financially. And, but, you know, they, 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 they're offering him some silly amount of money to, to run Berlin or whatever. So he goes, yeah, okay, I'll do that. You know, so, um, yeah, I don't know. Just, just uh, I suppose, um, you know, you can often talk about money and, and how that sort of comes into it. But, uh you know, he's obviously still very focused on uh, running to run world records and whatever. So, you know, unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess um, for you two sliding into the retirement time as you're running, like how how did that go, particularly coming from running so elite and then how much were you running after the professional running? And, and you know, you talked about the mental health side of things. Was there any challenges there giving up the sport at professional level? And then how'd that look getting into... PCRG and coaching how long, how much time was there between that two yeah no not really I just sort of got out I you know as you get on the elite side of things uh when you are at your prime um you know you, can, you train well and and you race and you, you you feel great and you can you can you know win races and sometimes win races and feel sensational you know uh, but as you get to the end of your career, uh, you go in races and you're not coming third, fourth and fifth and you're working harder than what you did when you used to win the things, you know. So it just becomes a lot harder and, and um, you don't go as well. So for me, it was just a natural thing. Well, you know, I'll just, um, I'll just bow out here, you know. Uh, I think I was probably happy to um, keep doing the uh, the local 
uh, Brisbane scene when uh, you know towards the end of my career. But I there were I did get crooked there, and I got some virus, and um, and and that knocked me around for some time. And back you know 20, 20 years ago, uh, so um, that sort of so it sort of bridged the gap between you know maybe still having a few races to not racing again. Yeah. Yeah, so when I got crook and and I just just couldn't run, like I'd go out for a run and it was like put put my foot down. It was like I was I hit the wall in the marathon right from the <laughs> word go, you know. But yeah. uh, you know, I, I got over that. Um, so um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I've never I've never really struggled with the mental uh, the mental side of um, life, whatever uh, mental health. But um, yeah, so uh, with the running, uh, PCRG, so um, uh, I, I just started off and this triathlete in Brisbane, Troy Fiddler, asked me to uh, take his um, the runners in his triathlon squad for a training session. So I did that for a little while and then um, decided I might just do this myself rather than do it for choice. So I started doing it myself and, and uh, just, you know, a few people started coming along and just started to grow. Yeah, so... Um, uh, so even, yeah, started to grow. Like when I mentioned before, back in the day, my largest group at one session was 160 people. So the, the PCRG uh, dynamic has sort of changed a bit over the years. So, and I think I'm sort of slightly the, or larger to blame for that because I started um, emceeing events, mm. a lot of events. So um, when... Uh, like back in the day, I would get everyone going to events like the Malula Bar Try or the 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 um, whatever event it was, you know, Gold Coast Marathon, whatever. And um, so I was there. I was there with the the on the the, the head guy and whatever. And then um, and then when I started emceeing events, well, I wasn't there with my group at the event day. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think. Um, that sort of uh, the group started to lose focus on let's all do this race together because they go to the race and I wasn't there. I was the guy on the microphone, you know? And um, so PCRG now is um, it's, it's, uh, you know, people still go on events and we do target the Gold Coast every year, but it's, uh, it's, it's just, um, uh, all about friendships, lot, very much about friendships, about going along and having a hard session. So P the PCRG session itself is an event in itself. Mm. That's the way I look at it now. Rather than everyone going, okay, we're all targeting this. Everyone just goes along because that's their, that's their park run on a Tuesday or that's their park run on a Thursday or park run on a Friday. So, so which I'm fine with because so, um, uh, it's just the way that it sort of changed a bit. But uh, um, I still enjoy going along, struggling a little bit at the moment because I'm I got this buddy Achilles thing going on. But uh, hopefully I'll get on top of that. But um, I don't like running sore, but I'm I'm persevering through it. So um, yeah, so that's uh, then PCRG started. So then I uh, also got into the online coaching. So yeah, uh, I was the um, uh, not to drop the eye thing too many times here, but I was the first person certainly in Australia to, to do online coaching. The only, only person I stumbled across that was doing online coaching um, the, uh, was Mark Allen, the, uh, the Ironman triathlete. And he was doing um, 
And so, like, when I started, you know, I, I sort of, I didn't, know, I didn't even know if Google was around, but yeah, I, I was thinking I, internet I, probably I, come in five years prior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, internet, so like, when did it come in? It might have been like oh, 90s late 90s. Or yeah. 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 So I guess it was around when I started the online thing. But yeah, so I did Google, uh, you know, this online thing. And I reckon Mark Allen was the only one in the world that I could find that was doing some sort of online thing, you know? And um, so definitely no one in Australia, definitely no one in Australia was doing it. So uh, yeah, just started up the online thing. And uh, so that was um, uh, yeah, 20 years ago and still going. So, so at the peak time of year, I'd have um, about 160 people online. Uh, I get a lot of clientele out of Gold Coast. Yeah, so yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people now start signing up with me uh, for Gold Coast um, next year. A lot of people they they just sign up with me because they're locking in an event. So uh, yeah, Gold Coast. So yeah, so um, people start set sailing for Gold Coast now or the next month or two. So I get a lot of repeat business. So a lot of people who have been with me over the years, I might not have heard them for three or four years and they'll come back and say, oh, Pat, you know, remember me? You know, decided to run Sydney Marathon, decided to run Melbourne, or I'm going to do Gold Coast again, let's go, you know? So uh, uh, just um, that's what I do with my day. Is, yeah, I was about uh, to ask, thing. how do you manage that all? That, that's just between the hours of coaching then in the day? Yeah, so PCRG is only three mornings a week, so yeah. I'm, um, I'm back home at... Uh, you know, seven thirty. So, uh, and then online. So, um, yeah, just do online. And uh, so, basically, um, I'm pretty much just a voice of reason. So, if someone signs up me for Gold Coast, I'll send them a thirty week program. I'll lay it out uh, with um, prompts to get back to me. If they don't hear from them, I'll follow them up and uh, lock in events. In like, I like to lock in events, short term goals. And so we just leapfrog from short-term goal, one short-term goal to the next one. And uh, they get back to me with results from sessions and, uh, you know, adjust the program if they've been crook or whatever. So um, some people, I'll send a program. Uh, some people I'll never hear from again. Other people I'll hear from every day. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so um, you know, and, and, and people in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's definitely, the, the running scene out there is definitely... Uh, improved and increased recreationally. Like you talk about when you were starting running as a young adult and teenager, like there was no one out there. And then when you started, Pat, there was no groups. Like you, you were literally the first Brisbane group. So like how, how has it changed, do you think, from your point of view and what sort of groups started to come in? Like was in training a group that popped up in the late or mid 2000s? And then, you know, we talk about guys like Chris Gale and Gale Force group coming in there. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think in training was uh, Steve in training was always around, but I don't think I don't think, Steve didn't uh, start putting in his energy into in training. Uh, certainly not when I was doing what I was doing. Mm. So maybe maybe a few years after me, he had his shop going, but I don't think he was putting a lot of energy into the running side of things. And then he started to do a marathon school or whatever. So I think I might have started a little bit before Steve. He was doing the online thing. But he wasn't putting as much energy as what I was into um, the running group. Uh, yeah, Chris Gale came along. Um, park run, I think, changed a lot for me. So uh, um, uh, a lot of people started going to park run. Uh, the Burt Squad uh, started up. It's mm. probably not that 
not having been gone for that long. Um, yeah, just different sort of groups uh, started popping up. But, um, uh, you know, one, actually one thing I will mention is, um, I don't know if this is, this is relevant to your question you just asked, but I just thought I would share this with you is, um, you know, talking about and before about getting back to um, how people train now. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we used to just run long in our long runs and just mucking around, hanging shit off each other or whatever, just doing stupid shit, but we'd get the job done and we'd run hard over the hills or whatever. Uh, no idea what pace we're running at. So I, you know, paddle on the Brisbane River and um, I often observe groups of runners coming along, uh, new farm there, whatever. So I'll observe them running along that stretch at um, New Farm there from the Bowls Club to wherever, and four or five of them. And, you know, every few steps, up comes the arm, you know. Up comes the arm to see what pace they're running at, whatever. And, um, you know, how they don't get RSI um, from doing that is beyond me, you know. And I, I think I'm just wondering if, um, you know, we got the, the dopamine thing, right, with the... Um, this is my theory. The dopamine thing with the social media, you know, people, I mean, I'm guilty of that. I, I try to leave my phone or whatever, but, you know, oh, got to, got to check Facebook, got to check Instagram, see what's going on, whatever, and you're just sort of some sort of um, addiction or whatever, you know. And, and I think that the, uh, the, the sat-nav watchers, as great as they do have their purpose, I think that they have... Um, disrupted the ability for a group of people to just go out and go for a run. I think that, um, you know, and, and people are addicted to checking their pace. And so, uh, you, you know, you've got a question, well, why, why are you out on this run with a group of people or why are you out on a run by yourself? Are you just um, wanting to make sure you're doing such and such so that your Strava looks great when you up when it gets uploaded or whatever. Um, you know, why not just leave the, you know the watch at home or just turn it off the pacing thing or whatever and just enjoy going out for a run. So I don't I don't seem it's just I'm, I don't want to sound like a cynic here, but I do think that if we're talking about change and you know, obviously you want to talk to me about you know what's the difference between back then and back now is um, I, I think that, I, I, well, from my observation, I do see groups of semi-elite runners uh, in, in Brisbane, or on the money in Brisbane, looking at their watch all the bloody time when they're out in the training run with their mates. You know, what's, why are you doing that? You know what I mean? mm. it's, and is it because, is it because of a, a chemical or whatever they want to be released? Their brain's going, hang on, mate, like a smoke. You know, hang on, mate, it's been, it's been three minutes. <laughs> I need another hit. Need another hit, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's uh, perhaps a, just a tr like a trust issue in themselves that they can't hold a certain pace to feel, and maybe you lack but of they're running, But they're that. running, but they're running in a group of people. They're running in a group of people. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah. Like, are they are they just mucking around and chatting, or are they just just talking about what pace they're running at? You know. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Just yeah. Just, um, I think that so. I mean, I I guess we're all everyone's built differently. Like I, I 
ran because I enjoyed running. Whereas um, uh, I think there's people involved in distance running now that are into it more from a gizmo perspective than in than and something that's natural to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I certainly think there's an enjoyment aspect of it. Simply just put the time on the on the watch time of day or the elapsed time and just enjoy the run. But then also performance. I personally feel seeing the the splits during a race to be uh, these days not beneficial at all. If it's too quick, I want to slow down. If it's too slow, I feel like oh, I'm having an off day. Uh, yeah, if, yeah. I, no, no, no. I mean, I, I, I might be the opposite there. I think that's where the benefit could come into it. You know, like if yeah. you, um, you know, you set yourself a, a realistic goal pace, and if, um, you know, if you if you're training smart, then you, you know, the writing's on the wall as to what the maximum is that you can maintain for that race. So, and if you look at your watch and you're going 15 seconds a kilometer quicker than, than what, you know. You, you you hope to run well you're not going to maintain that you know you, you might run a might have a blinder now and again but majority of the time if you go out quicker than um than your ability then you know the last third's going to be pretty ugly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so exactly. i can certainly i can certainly see the advantages of wearing a satin nav watch in um when you're doing your reps and training or your measured reps and training and also when you're doing your races, uh, for for someone who is um, going for a um, uh, a a, um, a certain time, I mean, even at the elite end, uh, you know, no sat navs in what in my day, but I would um, time myself uh, the kilometer. So the yeah, go I hope to go at the kilometer markers in the right place, but I would. I would go lap split on my watch. And, you know, if the race started, Gold Coast Marathon, the race has started, and I uh, started my watch, first kilometre, you just run, you know, 2.59, well, I'd, I'd, I'd back off. I'd back off because I just know there's no way in the world I'm going to maintain 2.59 kilometres for um, 42K. Yeah. So uh, I very much um, looked at my watch uh, pace in a, in a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so heading um, into unless, unless, yeah, you go. Sorry. Unless I, unless I, unless I was in a marathon where I was, you know, running well within myself. Like if I was in a, I don't know, if I was in a two fourteen marathon or something, you know, and I'm dancing out the front, it's is pretty cruisy. Well, I wouldn't be worried about. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Uh, firstly, what are you? What are your plans personally with with the running and this injury, and how how's that going to look in the next? couple of years for you and personally and then also pcrg <laughs> what are the plans with the group moving forward yeah i'm uh no end date so i still enjoy uh uh pcrg a great deal uh just the last just the last few weeks i've just been sore and um with my achilles and uh, uh i um had that one operated on 20 years ago and um but I've been to see Brad Beer at the Gold Coast and the school of thought now is with um, this sort of injury is uh, you don't rest it. You've just got to keep working it. And, um, and so I'm at the gym. I'm doing some strength training at the gym. So uh, it's going to be a long uh, process. It's not going to be a few weeks. It might be a few months or six months before I'm back feeling like my old self. So uh, just got to 
grit my teeth, a bit of a challenge, but, uh, you know, I, I did get 40 years <laughs> out of my, well, I got, I got, I got another, well, I know how to operate on, how to operate on 20 years ago. So I got, I got 20 years out of it since I was operating on, but yeah, so with, um, this particular injury back in the day that I operated, but now it's obviously someone's done a PhD or whatever, and they've examined certain people and worked out that, hang on, we, you got to actually load this injury and, and make it stronger rather than just rest it and operate it on it. So that's where I'm at now. Yeah. Yep. And, and the group PCRG, you are uh, any particular races that you guys, was it so widespread now that you cover the year and, and the, yeah, it's, of, it's always like, like, I yeah. like I mentioned before, you know, I, I look upon PCRG itself as an event itself. So, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but I'd certainly do uh, encourage everyone to take part in the Gold Coast every year. So that's the, um, the one that I'm passionate about. So a bit of group of uh, about 10 of PCRG members went and ran Queenstown yesterday morning, which was great oh, to see. Yeah, yeah, saw that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was, I was very proud of the girls and one guy who went over there. So um, uh, they instigated that themselves, which is fantastic. Uh, but um, I think Gold Coast is the one thing that I uh, try and get everyone up for every year. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Hey, we'll finish mm. with some listener questions and then some of mine. If you've listened to any previous episodes or not, these are quick fire, meant to be answered uh, with a sentence. So we'll wrap things up shortly, hopefully. Oh, yeah, no worries. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is from Nate W. Uh, he's a pretty avid listener of the, the podcast. And this, I reckon this uh, question might not be too, too relevant to you. When did you first break a sub three hour? marathon how much did it mean to you i think your first marathon would have been quicker than that by a bit wouldn't it no it was my first no it was my first marathon um hang on you there yeah yeah uh yeah yeah it was my first marathon so i ran 248 248 so, um yeah uh, uh 1983 83 and was that a big milestone to break the three straight away yeah uh, i was uh you said you said one word answers mate um it was um, one <laughs> sentence yeah, it was. It's the only time I've been emotional uh, at the end of a marathon. Um, uh, so uh, it it was um, great memories of uh, I, I cried when I uh, finished, and it's the only time that I've done that in a in a race. Yeah, so it's right. pretty special. Yeah, Brandon Demers' favorite shoe of all time before the Super Shoes. What was your favorite shoe ever? Yeah, well, I'm. I, I can't comment on the super shoes, but uh, it would be the uh, Wave Rider, the Zuno Wave Rider. So um, uh, I, I did have, um, I ran my best uh, marathon and half marathon in a, um, uh, I won't say the brand because I'm, I'm very much uh, well supported by um, uh, Mizuno, but those people who want to do their research, this particular shoe didn't have laces. It had a, um, a uh, it was called a pump. And um, you put a um, a gun in uh, a insert on the shoe, and it blew up uh, the um, area above uh, your foot. So that what what made the shoe tight was when you put, you had to and you had to put bloody um, canisters in there, and you put the the gun on your shoe, and um, and your your shoe got tighter because you put this thing in there. So that was, and I don't know where they are. I wish to God I still had them, and um, you know just for memorabilia. And I've, I've somehow thrown them out uh, at one point in time. I don't have the bloody things anymore. <laughs> All right, Clay Dawson. Uh, you'd know Clay pretty well. Yeah. 
Uh, he's asking about the jackets, the announcing jackets. What's the story behind them? They're quite Larry. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I was. Oh, yeah. I was um, going up to the uh, Sunshine Coast Marathon one year and uh, we stopped at um, a place halfway up. Uh, what's that That pub up there? Edamonga Pub, is it? Or yeah, that yeah. One that's stopped there. Anyway, there's a used to be a fancy dress shop there, and um, and I walked past there, and um, I was walking with a friend of mine, and and she looked at the jacket, the, the suit, and we she and I just said, to her, "What do you reckon?" She said, "Yeah," because we were both going up uh, sunshine, and we and she sort of we both were on the same wavelength. Like you got to wear this, you got to wear this. Anyway, so it was a loud suit. So uh, I contacted Jason the day before, and I said, Jason, I've got this loud suit, mate. I said, what do you reckon I wear it tomorrow? He said, yeah, mate, go for it. That'd be great. So um, just wore the loud suit. And um, so I, um, I've had a few over the years. And, but I do actually um, uh, enjoy wearing it because it, it's um, – I, I don't know, a bit of a Superman or whatever. It sort of seems to transform me a bit. I feel a bit different and a bit. Um, I can get into it a bit more, and uh, it's great for photos. So when um, you know people, I get a photo of people and I got the jacket on or whatever. It's a great, great look. Photos look good. And when people are in fancy dress, and uh, and I've got a crazy looking suit on, then that looks pretty cool. So yeah, I don't, don't have any problems. Uh, I enjoy enjoy wearing it. Yeah. I ordered one. I ordered one recently, just by the by, and um, didn't turn up. And it, came, it was coming from bloody the Netherlands, and um, contacted this guy, and I said, "Mate, my bloody suit hasn't turned up." And I, and I contacted him every day, and I said, "Just give him, just give him my money back." And he gave my money back, which is fine. Got my money back. Suit turned up a week later. <laughs> so I got the suit. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, these, these are my final questions. These are these are the real quick ones, Pat. Ready to go? Yeah. Yeah, All yeah. right, favourite section of the Brizzy River to run on? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Bloody hell. Um, uh, above, above the cliffs at uh, Kangaroo Point. Yeah, favourite coaching session with PCRG? Is there a cycle that you do? There's a session in there that you love to coach? Yeah, uh, probably the uh, one-minute efforts down at uh, Riverside Drive, Davies Park. Yeah, great spot there. Um, what about, what about as an athlete? Your favourite session that you used to to do? one uh, k reps. Okay, biggest running rival over the years would it be uh Mono? Yeah, yeah, it'd be Mono Lloydy. Uh, if you're talking Australia, Mono uh, Lloydy uh, Deke. I had a couple of um, races against Deke, but I was sort of more towards the end of his career. Uh, but I did uh, compete against him a number of times, but more more mono, Andrew Lloyd. Okay, favourite song to play on the guitar? Uh, at the moment, um, Classical Gas. I enjoy doing that. Um, but after that, uh, I mean, there's just a million of them. So, uh, you know, um, what am I playing at the moment? Uh, Layla, um, Eric Clapton. So yeah, the list is endless. There's no favourite one. I just love it. Okay, big question. This who's who's your biggest like running idol or inspiration of all time? Whether they they're younger or you ran with them or older. Yeah, no, no secrets there. So deep. So um, yeah. I wouldn't have um, I wouldn't have achieved or had the life that I've had 
uh, without if he wasn't there because he inspired me. And um, I was even at an event one time at um, as we all get together at uh, after the Gold Coast Marathon every year, and and we all sort of piss in each other's pockets and and um, or talk about how good good we were or good the others were or whatever. And uh, we'll talk about the event, talk about Cam Hart, and, and uh, which is, is a fantastic event. So I thank Cam and whatever. But there was one time there, I actually, in front of everyone, I got, a, I got emotional, and um, which I don't mind saying. I, I got physically emotional when I um, addressed Rob and just wanted him to uh, uh, acknowledge what, a, what an impact he'd had on my life. And... Um, and everything that I achieved or the life I uh, had in running at the top end uh, wouldn't have existed if, if he uh, hadn't um, been uh, a role model. So um, and he was very embarrassed by it. Um, and I embarrassed myself somewhat on that afternoon. But um, I think looking back, probably people, people probably understood. Yeah. Okay, last one. Uh, running. You're obviously a big enthusiast, coach, athlete. You read about it, your online program about it, you listen to it. What does running mean to you? Uh, peace. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's all yeah. you need, one word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pat, thanks it's for like, coming uh, on, it's like, it's, Yeah. It's like John Lennon. They asked John Lennon, teacher asked John Lennon, what do you want to do when you grow up? He said, I want to be happy. And the teacher said to him, well, you'll never amount to anything, will you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, it's almost two hours with me sitting here and um, I could certainly go longer and I'm sure that you could talk forever too, but we'll uh, wrap it up so the listeners can engage for a time that will be realistic. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll yeah. of course be in touch. I feel like I'm almost like Pat Carroll sitting next to uh, Deeks back in the day, a bit starstruck uh, today. Uh, I got to know you oh, early well. on through, through dad and and then yeah. I hadn't actually known how good of a runner you were as a kid. I was too young to comprehend that. And I got to understand mm. that as a young coach myself and runner. And now I'm sitting here talking to you. So I really appreciate you coming on here and, and sharing all things, particularly around the marathon uh, and what running means to you. Oh, I appreciate you having me on your show, mate. And uh, keep up the good work. Mm.